This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and we're back with another episode. Two in a week. I'm spoiling you at the moment. Seriously though, thank you for all the feedback on the recent recordings, especially the most recent one where we spoke with Mike Curtis as we looked back on Euro 2004 in our England at the European Championship series. It's still available in all the usual places and once again thanks to Mike for his time. Now, like many, I've been watching ITV's coverage of Euro 96. England have got past both Scotland and Holland. That second half of the Scotland game, I think, is when that tournament turned for us. Spain up next in the quarterfinals. Knockout time. And the last time we played knockout football was the semi-final of the 1990 World Cup against Germany. Let's hope we avoid them this time. Makes the mind boggle going all back in time. Speaking of which... Why not go and have a look at Steve Hopper? He's been on the podcast before. Steve Hopper on Twitter and on Instagram is doing his very own back in time for England. And he's got muggins here in with him as well. (laughs) Oh, good fun. Uh, He's doing his part trying to raise awareness for Mental Health Awareness Week. It's at Steve Hopper TV, as I say, on Twitter and Instagram. Anyway, on to this episode. Obviously, with no games to talk of, unless the Korean or Bundesliga floats your boat, which behind closed doors just doesn't really do it for me. Now, I recently had a chat with an England fan, and without trying to be too clicky, as I realise many of you will not be travel club members, but the England Supporters Travel Club have been running a regular England quiz, which has been well received, and I must say, well run. Thanks to all those who are compiling it and putting it out quickly has become a highlight of my week. Anyhow, there was one particular contestant that won it week in, week out. Although just like the commentator's curse, the week after we spoke, (laughs) he was beaten. But I've managed to track him down as I thought if he had that much knowledge, he must have a few stories to tell. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, a name you may recognise, fellow England supporters, Howard Taylor, or as I like to refer to him, it's blooming Howard Taylor again. Uh, he is a regular England Supporters Travel Club quiz winner. Howard, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Russell. How are you? Well, very well, thank you. Yeah, as I say, you are a uh, you're you're a regular on the England scene, but you are a regular winner on a uh, on a particular quiz that the England supporters um, club have been putting out, um, aren't you? Yeah, I've been lucky enough. They've they've done five actually. I didn't do the first one. I didn't know anything about it, and um, I just I saw it advertised. So I did the second one. I was lucky enough to win it, and I, I nearly didn't do the second one, uh, the, the third one, the second one I was supposed to be doing because I was supposed to be playing darts at five o'clock. But I managed to convince my opponent to put it back so I can have another go, uh, which was quite good because I won that one as well. <laughs> Are you playing darts in these times? 
Uh, yeah, I've got a dartboard at home. I play sort of uh, yeah, reasonable standard darts and a few of my friends play. So we've just organised a bit of a competition between us, just something to do. And that's, uh, that's what, put a camera up and, and you play each other like that, is it? Yeah, we have it on house party, uh, someone else to chalk, and then obviously you just call out your scores, but you can, the, the checkers checking them anyway. And, uh, you know, just play uh, five legs and in a league and promotion and relegation, take it quite seriously, really. So it's, it's a bit of a giggle anyway. Why not? Why not? Well, I mean, yeah, as I say, you're a regular winner. You, you're up there in the uh, in the free figures generally, hundred odd points. Whereas I'm I'm milling around mid table with around fifty to sixty points. Where did all this England knowledge come from? Um, I go away with a very large group of friends, and uh, one of the things we always do when we go away is we we do uh, quizzes with each other. And uh, you know, sometimes I'll be the person asking the questions; other times it'll be somebody else. But you just pick up stuff, and and I think because I've I go to uh, all the games, you you know, you have a bit of more of a memory of it if you're actually there. I think sometimes that's so, true. That's probably um, why. I mean, probably the only quizzes that I do on a uh, an away game are the the ones in the Free Lions. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, yeah. good old Phil. Scale on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, what do you generally get? Ten out of ten on those. Um, some, well, we don't. I don't know. We do them on my own. We normally get hold of it all round uh, a table, having a few beers, and we just shout out the answers. So we don't really do it individually, but between us, we generally get uh, most of them, if not all of them. Yeah. Well, I, I take my hat off to you. I, uh, if I, I'll come find your table on, on an away game and sit in as well and chip in my answers. You'd be more than welcome, Russell. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the supporters club, I mean, again, hats off to them. They, they even got the gaffer in, didn't they? Gareth Southgate came in and you joined in on that one and yeah, beat I was, him. <laughs> I was very lucky because um, only the one that I nearly didn't go in for, the one where I was supposed to be playing darts, um, as a result of winning that, I got an email from... Uh, one of the representatives of the FA invited me to play in a quiz, but they didn't. They just said it would be with a special guest. They didn't tell me who the guest was going to be. And um, I like quizzes, so I said, "Yeah, put me down." And then quite soon after that, I realised Gareth Southgate was going to be uh, uh, on the quiz, which I thought would be a great opportunity. Being yeah. a Palace fan myself, and obviously he came through the youth at Palace. Uh, luckily enough, I, I didn't do too bad on that either, so it was good. Well, you won it, didn't you? Yeah, I was lucky, really. I, I got a few stupid ones wrong that it's really, you know, being filmed and, you know, being nervous and all my mates knew I was on it. And so I, I did feel under pressure and I I, I did uh, get a couple wrong I really shouldn't have got wrong. Like the, the round at the end, it, it was edited um, uh, so you didn't really see the, the tension of it. But basically we had a minute to name the 10 countries we'd only ever played once in a international. And uh, it, the minute went so quick, I only had time to write eight answers down. And four of the ones I missed were games I'd actually been to. Uh, there was Honduras I went to in Miami, Panama obviously in Russia, Ghana at Wembley and uh, what was the other one? Uh, there's another one as well that I'd been to uh, been to and forgotten that we'd only played them once. So it, it does put you under pressure. Luckily, the the guy, the mastermind champion who was winning the quiz until then, I guess they're really good at remember, you know, sort of being able to learn information. Um, and that sort of thing is, I don't think you could probably learn that. I don't think it'd be any book. It would just be, you know, trying to work it out for yourself. Yeah. So uh, I managed to get to a tie break. And uh, when I was, um, I was revising for the, um, for the quiz against Gareth, because obviously I didn't want to make myself look a complete idiot. And uh, one of the things I discovered while revising was that Neil Webb was the 1,000th player to ever play for England. So when right. the question came up, when was Jerry Francis, when did he first play for England? I already knew a sort of time frame, because if Webb was the 1,000th, he was before that, but not significantly before. 
Yes, so that's I managed right. to put a decent guess in for that. So. Yeah, because that's right. The 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 tiebreaker was what number was Jerry Francis in the in the sort of the new player. What, what do they call the player numbers? What's they call them called? legacy. I've never heard it called that before, and I had to actually ask them what they meant with the question, which made me look a bit of an idiot. No, I uh, think they I think they brought that out. I think it was shortly before the thousandth game against Montenegro at home. I think that was around when they done that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, according to the Rachel who did the quiz, there's been 1,260 people, I think, that have played for England. She needed to know when Jerry Francis was. So we had, you know, obviously knew the maximum was 1,260. Yeah. And what was, the, uh, what was his number again? It was 900. I, I went 867 because what they actually said, and you didn't hear on that, is if you went over, it didn't count. So uh, I was careful. I didn't want to go too high and be disqualified immediately. So I went a little bit lower than I thought it was. But I still got within 30, which isn't too bad, I suppose, out of 1,200. Yeah, excellent. And and what was Gareth like? He was really good because we, we got to have a little chat with him before the cameras started rolling. And again, at the end, some of the stuff wasn't used, um, I guess, at time limitations. But yeah, he was um, like the answers he gave. I thought, you know, because I've seen the recording of it. He comes across really well because he doesn't just say an answer. He sort of elaborates on stuff he, he wasn't trying to just get rid of us he was he was quite good in that way I thought yeah and no, I watched it and he came across really well sort of elaborating on his answers and just gave that that real personal side that that we know he's got isn't he? he also I think he was very careful not to say anything that was to do with club rather than country because my, my question I asked him was, you know, there's a real connectivity at the moment between himself and the players and the fans. And I wondered if he had been a fan himself. And I was hoping he was going to say, yeah, when I grew up, I used to go down Sellers Park. <laughs> but he, he, he said about his experiences watching England when he was a kid, but he didn't mention any club teams. Uh, so I, I think he's quite diplomatic in that way. He didn't want to alienate any Brighton fans, for instance, or Millwall <laughs> fans. You know, if he, tried to, if he was appearing to show some favouritism towards... No, and a team like Palace, for instance. Yeah. Well, he's, he's not the first England manager you've uh, you've come into contact with either, is he? Yeah, no, I've been very lucky, really. Um, yeah, I've seen three others in person. Um, okay. Uh, which was quite neat. Uh, one of them, I know Glyn's been on here before, and uh, he was with me when we met Graham Taylor uh, in Ukraine. We were, Glyn did a blog for uh, radio, BBC Radio Europe, and as a result of that, we were invited to meet up with Nicky Campbell, on a Radio 5 live show on a couple of occasions. And one of those occasions, Graham Taylor was there himself uh, and he was brilliant. He was such a, such a gent. It was really good fun to, to talk to. So we had a bit of time chatting to him. Yeah. I've met Graham Taylor before. Again, that was in, in Ukraine. Uh, he was doing a, he was just part of a England supporters event that was put on. And we had a, uh, he was available for like chat and a photo, and and yeah, he's a really nice guy. When I met yeah. him, yeah. yeah, I mean, all of the players that ever played for him, he was very, very popular. A bit like Bobby Robson in that respect, I think. And uh, you know, perhaps the England fans at the time didn't um, uh, appreciate what a lovely guy he was. Obviously, mm. you know, he didn't get a massive amount of success, I guess. And ultimately, that's what you're you're going to be judged on. But yeah, Graham, and we uh, bumped into him again at a, um, one of the flights that we took as well while we were in Ukraine, and he came straight over to us, remembering us from the Radio 5 Live gig, ah. um, which was good. So uh, it's quite neat to see Graham Taylor walk over to your group of people. So Yeah, no, fair <laughs> play. No, it's, it's nice when you get that sort of feeling that they are human, aren't they? They're not sort of giving a, an impression that they're above you. No, exactly. They're, they're human beings the same as us, aren't they? Yeah. And they, they all love football the same as we do. 
Yeah. So that's uh, so Gareth Southgate, Graham Taylor. Who else? Yeah, Fabio Capello. Um, ah. Just just after the World Cup in 2010 in South Africa, he hosted a charity golf event at La Quinta Golf Course in Spain in aid of the Sebi Ballesteros mm. Foundation. Myself and my friend have got a place on La Quinta, so we got an invite to go. He doesn't play golf, I do, so I went. Yeah, he was he was uh, quite an interesting chat. He ended up on the table next to us for the gala dinner in the evening. And, nice. Uh, somebody that was sat next to him made the mistake of going to the toilet or the bar, and uh, with a, a, a spare seat next to the current England manager, I couldn't resist the temptation to uh, to sidle over there with my son and uh, say, "I'll oh, remember me from earlier," because I had introduced myself to him at the tea, um, and I said, oh, "Any chance for a chat for a few minutes?" And uh, I sat next to him for half an hour, and uh, it, it was um, he, his English was a lot better than come across. You know, when he was doing uh, press releases and stuff like that, he had no problem understanding me. I had no problem understanding him. Things that he was saying, he was saying that, um, you know, but for a bit of luck, England could have gone a lot further. You know, Spain could have gone out on penalties and ended up winning it. You know, but for the Lampard disallow goal, who knows how far we'd have gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was uh, he was very uh, he, very passionate. I, that was one of the things that come across when I, when I was speaking to him. Um, oh. And the uh, the other England manager I met was again at a golf day. Not <laughs> you'd think I play a lot of golf, really. I don't. Um, <laughs> I met Kevin Keegan at a golf charity golf day at Staverton uh, two years ago. And oh, okay, that was quite funny actually because I, I went up. I'd be picture taken with him at the tee the practice ground rather and I said that you know I was there for the last England game that he managed at Wembley when uh, when we lost 1-0 to the Germans and he, he said uh, he said David Seam was a hell of a keeper but he could have done a little bit better with that shot I thought and and he said he left the England job because he didn't think he could take him any further and I reminded him at the time that you know for some years after that we didn't get much further with, with or without him anyway um, we then um, there was a photo shoot opportunity and it was a, a Bentley convertible and as luck would have it, he ended up standing next to me for the photo shoot. And I uh, looked at the Bentley and I said to him, oh, do you think that's the hole-in-one prize? And obviously it wasn't. It was just a, you know mm. something they were doing. And he laughed. And I said, oh, by the way, have you ever, ever had one? He said, I've got one at the moment, but it's not a convertible. It's just a normal Bentley. I went, no, no, not a Bentley. Have you ever had a hole-in-one? He said, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've had three. I said, I don't like you very much. You've had three hole-in-ones and your own a Bentley. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that made him laugh. But well, yeah, he, he, was, he was really good fun as well. Because I've I've heard that maybe or because he released a book a little while back, but I heard that he, he didn't really like to talk about England so much with with people. But but he was fine with you. Absolutely fine, yeah, absolutely fine. He was talking about the uh, Premier League and saying that you know the the amount of foreign players and and foreign managers make it more difficult for us as a national team, which is something as a belief I've held for a long time myself. You know, but I mean, back in when the Premier League began, you know. You, you know, the fifth best goalkeeper in the Premier League would have been English and, you know, there was four better than him we could have chosen from. Nowadays, it's slim pickings for the manager. And not only that, when a, when a position, I'm not saying anything negative against Gareth, obviously, but at the time when he got the job, there wasn't a lot of people, I don't think, that thought it was a very good appointment. He's managed to prove more wrong, luckily. You know, if we had all of the top teams had English coaches when a, the England position comes about, there would be much more viable people available for the job than has been in the past yeah i agree um so i mean the realm of england managers that you've met there i mean but how did following england all all come about for yourself well um i've been to a couple of england wembley games as a kid uh growing up but uh, i had a family i was married three children uh i went to the england game i talked about earlier with keegan's last, last game with my then wife 
But uh, shortly afterwards, we were going for a divorce and I made my mind up that I was going to go to the away game. No matter what it was going to cost me, I was going to go. Obviously, I didn't have the uh, shackles of a wife telling me I couldn't. <laughs> I wasn't a member of the England Supporters Club at the time. I managed to get a ticket with two friends from a town in London. Two of us ended up on the halfway line with all the journalists. It was a brilliant view. The other one was in the German end. He, he, we sort of pulled straws and he got. He was the unlucky one. So, I mean, and, this, uh, this to just let everyone know, this, this was the 5-1, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was. And uh, when we when we first got there, me and my mate Westy, we sort of looked around and there was just loads of Germans everywhere. So I said, we've got two choices here. We either pretend we're German or we announce we're English. Uh, so I, I found the biggest guy in the area. I got up and I said, oh, I'm English. Nice to meet you. Put my hand out, shook his hand and just made uh, stood up through the national anthem, obviously. When that when they scored, Kirsten Yanker, I think, scored. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they were all jumping about and I'm like, oh God, hand, hand in heads, uh, head in hand, sorry, thinking it been here before sort of thing. But by the end of it, everyone around South and Westie all come up, shook my hand, said England were the better team, we deserve to win. And I remember thinking at the time, had that been the other way around at Wembley and it was a German in the England end, I'm not sure they'd have been treated quite so well. But um, the Germans treated us very well after the game. They were very, uh, very magnanimous in defeat. Yeah, because I know a lot of the uh, a lot of the Germans all dispersed quite quickly, or or even before the final whistle had gone. Yeah, I I took pictures of the scoreboard from two one three one four one and uh, five, and you could see the uh, there was less people in every single picture. I think where I was, it was a load of journalists, and it was, they were really like the posh seats. Mm. So I think they were probably not your hardcore, you know, sort of um, ultras. So that was probably why it saved my bacon. Yeah. So how much did you pay for a tout for a ticket for that game? <laughs> I think I think it was two hundred pound, and that was obviously back in two thousand and one, wasn't it? Yeah. So a lot of money then. We we stayed in Germany for a few days, went up a mountain and a few other things. So we made the most of it. Got back from Germany and immediately signed up for the England Supporters Club. I became a member the week after the five-one Germany game. <laughs> nice one. From what I remember, you said to one of your your opening lines, as it were, when you said when you spoke with Gareth on the quiz, that you'd only missed one away game in that time Uh, since well 2007 we played Estonia away and unfortunately I didn't have enough caps to get a ticket so I missed Mm. that one but from that point onwards there's only been two occasions when England have played abroad and I haven't been there one was the behind the closed doors game that no one could go to so I don't really count that one and the other one I missed was the first game in uh, the World Cup against Tunisia and that was I, I was out there for the rest of the tournament I tickets for the final i was there for the semis i stayed in in well we stayed quite a lot of the times in Sopot actually in poland because it was quite close to kaliningrad but we me and a group of friends stayed out the whole time but with the tunisia game logistically it was a complete nightmare i either had to have three nights overnight in a train to get to the next <laughs> venue or fly yeah. back to england and fly out again and that was 1500 quid and uh, neither of those um felt that appealing so i thought you know what i'll i miss the first game i'll just stay out there for the rest of it but yeah. it did kind of uh, ruin a very good run i had at the time but it was one of those things yeah one of those things now go and tell us some of the uh some of your highlights following england uh, must be plenty because i know I, yeah you mentioned glenn davis who has been on the podcast previously he wrote his book his excellent book which um your your name checked in a few of his adventures um i'll go and expand on some of those adventures uh, well there's some that we can't really 
talk about. <laughs> and I think there's some maybe are going to be in his, his, he's doing another book, so I don't want to ruin his, uh, his thunder. One of my favourite little bits of a trip, actually, it was um, when uh, we, 2014 Brazil, I decided I was going to go on a family holiday in Florida with my family, uh, my daughter, my son, and my daughter's friend, and a friend, Marshy, Chris Marsh, who's also uh, goes everywhere with England. And uh, we caught the two um, warm-up games in Miami, Honduras and uh, Ecuador. We just, we'd made this plan, or I made a plan, he joined up with me, that we, we kept going south. So we went Orlando, Miami, then we went to Caracas in Venezuela, okay. uh, t- took a flight to Kainama National Park, did um, Angel Falls, the highest waterfall in the world. Uh, we then got a taxi right across Venezuela into Brazil, because over there, if no one's ever been to Venezuela, and it's not really suggested a good place to go because it's quite violent but it's actually cheaper to buy fuel than it is to buy water uh, <laughs> really it, yeah the, when we were uh, we were quite close to the brazilian border and uh, there was a petrol station in the for venezuela side and there was a queue of traffic like i've never seen before in my life and the taxi driver explained that the brazilians cross the border queue up and fill up their car with petrol and then turn around and go back again. It takes them virtually all day, but the the fuel price is a fraction of what it is in Brazil. We got our Venezuelan taxi driver to get us to the border, crossed the border by foot, and uh, found a little roadside cafe. And it was just before the first game of the World Cup, which was Brazil against Croatia. And um, we'd organised a taxi to take us from there to uh, Boa Vista, which was where we had a night planned before flying on to Manaus. The taxi driver refused to go until the game had finished, which was fine by us because it was quite cool. Us two sat there with all the Brazilians, no tourists anywhere to be seen on a roadside cafe watching Brazil play Croatia. So that was quite neat. So uh, whereas most of the England fans, I think, flew to Sao Paulo or to Rio and then had to go all the way north to Manaus, uh, we actually did it a completely different way. We just went, you know, Florida, Venezuela, Manaus, then down to Sao Paulo after that. That worked out quite good. I don't think you can beat a World Cup in Brazil. The unfortunate thing is we didn't get out of the group and we were awful. Whereas Russia, everyone was thinking, oh, God, you know, what's Russia going to be like? And it ended up being brilliant for the football reasons. Yeah, I mean, I'm... It always, I mean, I've got good reasons for not going to Brazil, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, I so wish I'd have been able to go just to experience it. But I'll, uh, I'll get there one day just to, uh, yeah. to see what it's like. So, have you ever met any of the any of the players on your journeys? I was in uh, went at Kazakhstan for the game, and um, a friend of mine booked a hotel that the players were staying at. So uh, we were in, ended up with a lift with Frank Lampard and uh, one or two of the others. Um, but yeah, I've I've actually got an England cap. Have you? Probably, yeah, but it's uh, it's only an under twenty three one. It was quite an old one. It's um, uh, somebody I, I got to meet through my business, and uh, he, he was sort of had a had a few money problems, shall we say? Mm. They didn't earn the money then that they do now. So he offered me the chance to buy his England cap from him. So obviously I I, I, I took that opportunity. Uh, the guy used to play for Palace as well, although he wasn't very famous for playing for us. So yeah, I've actually got a proper England cap in my office, which is quite oh neat. amazing. Uh, I I always wonder why why players would let go of their England caps, but yeah, I guess sometimes money does come into it. I, I did say to him if he ever wanted it back, I'd sell it back to him for what I pay for it. So, but he's never come back to me and asked for it yet. No. I won't say his name because obviously he's saying that he was poverty stricken. Probably best I don't. I'll tell you later. <laughs> I mean, going to Kazakhstan must have been great. Again, it's one of those places that I would have loved to have gone to, and I've heard stories about it. Uh, yeah, we, uh, I ended up going to the second largest canyon in the world, 
that was miles and miles from where the, where the game was played. I went there in a taxi with two England fans I'd met in a bar the night before. Keith, West Ham fan, I can't remember her name, I'm really sorry if you're listening to this. But yeah, we ended up going to the, this canyon, that was quite good. But we had to climb up a rock face to get into it in the first place, and the guy had a, a massive knife in his back pocket. I remember thinking, this, this, is, this isn't like the Grand Canyon at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we do tend to, when we do go to places, we do tend to sort of um, experience things like uh, we went to Chernobyl, uh, which was an amazing experience. I've been to uh, Auschwitz. Uh, I went to Sachsenhausen when England played in Berlin, uh, not the last time, the time before that. So we do tend to do some weird stuff as well. I wouldn't say it's weird. I think, um, I mean, obviously every England supporter has got their own way of celebrating an away game, be it going to see the sites like like yourself there or someone's going to go find like the local cuisine or someone's going to go and find the uh, the nearest Irish bar. Everyone's got their own yeah. way of uh, of celebrating an England away day and I think the main thing is that we, we all just like to travel and experience somewhere don't we and just follow the follow our team yeah absolutely I mean it, it filled a massive void in my life because I've always loved traveling but never really had the opportunity to do it too much when you've got a family obviously you have to mm. put them first and I've been a massive football fan all my life season ticket holder at Palace for donkey's years the group of guys I'm with are brilliant. I mean, we don't just go there, find the nearest pub and get bladdered, you know, because you could do that at home. So we do try to sort of uh, ingratiate ourselves with the locals and do stuff that the locals would do. Uh, we were quite lucky in uh, the year before the World Cup in Brazil, we went uh, for the warm-up game in the Maracanã. And uh, so we decided we were going to do all of our sightseeing then because it'd be far quieter than when the World Cup would, would be on. So we did Sugarloaf Mountain, Christ the Redeemer, Cocobana Beach, all of that stuff. And uh, we uh, went to a place called Foz de Aguaza. I don't know if you've heard of it at all, Russell. No, go on, enlighten me. It was in a James Bond film. It's basically on the border of Argentina, Paraguay and Brazil. And it's the most beautiful waterfalls you'll ever see in the world. Right. And, uh, so we all uh, got on a little cheap uh, plane, went down there. Uh, we did it from the Brazilian side, the Argentinian side. We collared an Argentinian taxi driver who took us into his cousin's uh, steak restaurant at the most amazing Argentinian steak. Okay. Um, went into Paraguay, which the, the bit in Paraguay we went to was very, very rough. So I think we uh, the rules of having going to a country is you need to um, leave the airport, have a beer, and go to the toilet. Uh, <laughs> so we made, made sure we did all three. We didn't have an airport because we drove across. But the, the other two things we made sure we did in Paraguay, but we weren't there for very long. <laughs> I must admit, I, I don't count a country if I only if I only touch down in the airport. So, uh, yeah, but go, go for a beer and the toilet, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's other places, I guess, as well. Was it, you've been to, like, Moldova as well, have you? Yeah, yeah, I've been to. Uh, I've been quite lucky, really. I mean, I've, I do keep a list of all of the places I've seen England play. Right. And so, if we do play in Iceland, which I hope we do, that'll be the fortieth country I've seen England play in, um, and, uh, and, and virtually all of Europe we've done now. Yeah. We managed to wangle some tickets uh, when we we're in the Ukraine for the Holland Denmark game and Kharkiv, and uh, so a few of us went down there. It was it was kind of on the way from Kiev to Donetsk anyway. And we found a fan park and in the middle of the fan park, we saw a guy with an England shirt on, which we thought was quite strange because I thought we were the only mental people doing this. Mm-hmm. So we went up there and it turned out he wasn't English anyway. He was Moldovan. Right. And uh, he desperately wanted tickets for the England game against Ukraine, which was the one coming up. And I happened to be, I happened to have a spare for that ticket. So I said, I'll tell you what, we'll do a deal. 
I'll give you the ticket for the England Ukraine, and when we play Moldova, you sort us all out accommodation. And uh, a bit of a leap of faith because obviously he's having the ticket first. And yeah. we to believe it. Turns out he was a lawyer and he was sort of really well connected in Kisanel. And uh, he put us up this amazing uh, accommodation, took us to the best places. We met the British. Uh, consulate to uh, uh, in Kisanau, <laughs> so like all these things we we would we did done that we would never have done had it not been for the fact we'd actually decided to go to Holland against Denmark and saw a guy in England shirts. So. Oh, amazing! It's just those little sort of leaps of faith and little links that you uh, you just tap into. I mean, football fans we're all the same, aren't we? All when I sort of help each other out and um, and yeah, fell on your feet there. Um, yeah, I tend to. I'm, I'm quite a lucky person, really. And you went to was it? Trinidad and Tobago for that game. Did you go there? Yeah, I went there with my son. Uh, another quite a funny story, actually, because I was dating a girl at the time and I, I booked this uh, really luxury villa 50 yards from the beach. Um, but between booking it and going, we broke up. And I said, well, I'm still going. She said, well, I'm still going as well. <laughs> so we ended up both going. So I went with my son. She went with her two daughters. Um, staying in the same place, barely saying two words to one another. <laughs> I hired a car, she hired a car. We went off, me and my son went off and done our thing during the day. This is in Tobago, by the way. And um, she did her thing. And then uh, we flew across. It was quite an interesting flight, actually, because Trinidad and Tobago are only something like 12 miles apart. Um, so the flight was just incredible. It was like queuing up for a bus. You know, okay. it was, there, was, there was people because it's not even going to a different country because it's the same country, no passport or anything. So it's basically you, you stand in the queue and then just board this plane and you go up and you go down. And it was something like, I don't know, eight or nine minutes in total, the flight. No but, time to get the duty free out. No, not at all. <laughs> but the, the contrast between the two islands is quite stark. I mean, Tobago is beautiful. It's all ramshackle. You know, there's no no you know tarmac roads it's all beautiful beaches and you go to trinidad and it's like being in brixham you know it's like high-rise buildings everywhere proper roads it's, it's very very rough so we didn't stay in trinidad very long luckily but we had a beautiful time in tobago lovely lovely yeah another one of those ones that i remember watching on the telly thinking oh that'd be nice to have gone there yeah no there was no um segregation at all in the ground by the way so basically you you got in the ground and you could see wherever you want so you if anyone ever remembers watching the game there wasn't the normal singing from the england fans because we were dispersed you know all around the stadium yeah. but there was these uh, guys going around with bottles of red stripes or say hey you want beer anyone and you could drink your beer while watching the game sat next to the you know trinidad locals which was quite good totally different contrast to what we're used to on a yeah. uh, on a wembley evening yeah, so yeah, that was a real highlight. I liked to, uh, it was just a beautiful place to go, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Went to Qatar for the game against Brazil as well. Um, obviously, that uh, it could be going back there um, in a few years if we qualify and if it's still on. What did you make of Qatar? Um, not a massive amount to do. Very noisy with the, the wailing from the mosques every, every sort of, seemed to be every half an hour, I'm sure it wasn't. Mm. Very humid, even the time of the year we went, which I think, I think it was October, November from memory. Very, very few places um, sold alcohol, only the big hotels. Well, one of my mates, Ricky, had gone out there um, a bit before I did, and he found a uh, expat rugby club in Qatar, and they had the biggest array of choices of normal what we would call normal drinks and they were a little bit cheaper than everywhere else even saying that though i think it was still seven or eight pound a pint so he managed to smuggle us into the rugby club uh, for drinking purposes so uh, we also did a um four by four over over the the sand dunes oh was, yeah me and my mate actually uh, dave we decided we were going to go to the beach and bear in mind the sand everywhere 
And again, a bit like Venezuela, petrol's for free, really. So we got a taxi and said, can you take us to the nearest beach? After we'd been in the taxi for 45 minutes, I thought we'd been abducted because I thought, well, it can't be that far away from, you know, a sandy beach. We're in, you know, sand everywhere. But uh, he took us to this place and the the taxi ride was equivalent to about five pound or something. And there there were uh, were swimming pools as well as the sea. But in the swimming pools, they were segregated men only and women only pools. Ah. Um, So I think it's going to be a culture shock for a lot of people when they go out over there. I mean, chances are it will have changed a hell of a lot in the short space of time since you went. Yeah, possibly. The one, the one good thing, I think, I mean, if you speak to most of the England fans, the biggest challenge we have is transporting ourselves from one venue to another. Um, and that's the one good thing about Qatar. I think the, I, I was watching a documentary on it the other day, and I think the furthest distance that two grounds are from one another are 45 minutes on the tube. So um, you can, you know, settle yourself in an area, not have to move and go and see other random games if you want to. And that's something that's not really available to most other tournaments. That's the only positive I can think of right now to think about Qatar. Yeah, it's it's going to be a strange one. Um, I'm, we're just all assuming it will will go ahead as as planned. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a strange one. I'm I'm in two minds really about Qatar. Um, we'll, we'll see. But uh, I mean, back back to England. I mean, obviously, this year has uh, has been knocked on the head or postponed until next year. What what were your thoughts going forward for England? Yeah, I think um, in some respects, um, the tournament being cancelled has has done us a bit of a favour. In so far as certainly in the striking department, we were looking very thin on the ground, weren't we? So yeah. uh, given another year, they'll be fitter. Uh, we've got a lot of good young players coming through. Another year under their belt. I think they would would, uh, would augur well for us. Obviously, disappointed as I am that we're not going. I, I don't know what they're going to do about the Europa Nations League either. You know, whether now that the Euros are going to be next year, what happens with that? Um, so um, I'm watching for an announcement as to whether they're going to still have it that year or put it back another year. I don't know. Mm, yeah, so all these unknowns at the moment that we just don't know. It's just a, uh, just a waiting game for all of us. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Being an England fan, as I'm sure there's you know, hundreds and thousands of people listening to this, hopefully, that are in the same boat as me. It's kind of like some stranger I've never met does, you know, the wheel of fortune and decides where I'm going to be travelling for the next 12 months, you know. So yeah. the, uh, the excitement around the draw is brilliant for us because, you know, we're thinking, oh, you know, I haven't been to this country, I haven't seen England play in that country, really like to draw them. Yeah. You know, uh, the uh, Normally, the disappointment or otherwise on the draw has got nothing to do with the standard of opposition but far more to do with the countries that we are going to be visiting you know in the in the qualification period oh yeah i mean i, I love a draw um made especially when when you can pick out those those countries that we've got the potential to go to and and everyone obviously for the nations league was like yeah iceland kind of would love yeah, to go yeah. to iceland and then when it came out was yeah everyone was excited similar to kosovo as well for the uh for the um, the game last year, um, yeah. I was like, yeah, love to get a cost. I'd love that to come out. And you just think, it won't. I'll end up going to, I don't know, Lithuania again. And when it came out, it's like, right, bang yeah, on brilliant. that. And what, yeah. what a trip that was. Wasn't yeah, it? Um, yeah, we'd, um, we flew into Albania. We went to Albania as well for uh, a previous game. And we'd, uh, that would have been the Montenegro game, I guess. Anyway, yes. yeah, so we'd gone to Albania for that game and hired a minibus to go to the ground and really liked Albania. So we decided we were going to do Albania for Kosovo as well. And we actually got to see the under-21s in Albania the day before the game, or the day before we travelled at least, to Kosovo. 
So yes. we uh, got a random in the 21 game in and actually got the tickets for free as well, which is quite handy. Oh, nice one. Why not? They're only, they're only one euro each, but we, they were, were people <laughs> handing them out outside the ground. So oh, we'll have some of that and save a euro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cost the cost of other people. I mean, I'm sure everyone said the same. They couldn't have been friendlier. I mean, they, they were giving us free food and free drinks, and it was just incredible how you know a country in Europe was so welcoming to the to the English fans, which is normally complete opposite in uh, most of the places we go to. They go, oh my god, the England fans are in town, you know, batting down the the hatches sort of thing. But the Kosovans could not have been more friendly if they tried. Yeah, no, that's lovely. It was a bit of a culture shock to us, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, mate, and uh, yeah, look after yourself, and hopefully yeah. we'll, uh, we'll, we can catch up and, and say hello at some stage. Yeah, brilliant. Really, real pleasure talking to you, mate. Yeah, good luck in the quiz, if they do it again. Yes, no, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Okay, Russell, really good speaking to you, mate. Thank you to Howard there for his time and stories of what it's like to follow England, both home and away. I did mention the Travel Club at the beginning of the episode. I'm not quite sure if you can, in these current times, if you can still join up, but uh, give them a quick Google, perhaps you can, and uh, and join in the quiz in these travelless days. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Three Lions Podcasts. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. And in the meantime, continue to stay safe, look after yourself and others, and I'll be back with another episode very soon. In fact, I think I'll drop one where I chat with a former England international. So please do stay subscribed. So until then, cheers. Cheers.